Good morning and welcome to Rollins Around Town. Happy New Year. My name is Sam Stark and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. My role allows me to engage in the Central Florida community on many levels and it is partly my responsibility to help connect the dots between the college and the community at large. The dots I refer to are opportunities for college stakeholders, faculty, staff, and students to have access to leaders and professionals in our region. This helps Rollins deliver on our mission while also uplifting the brand of the college throughout Central Florida. So this show will showcase the connections between Rollins and the Central Florida community. We will introduce the college to important community leaders and share the impact Rollins has throughout town. Guests will come from outside of the college as well as feature our very own faculty, staff, and students. The goal of the show and these interviews is to show the role, the important role Rollins plays in town and how important the college is to our region. So thank you for joining us this morning, and it is my pleasure to welcome a longtime friend and my colleague here at Rollins, Mickey Meyer. Welcome to the show, Mickey. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, and I'll tell you there's nobody I'd rather start my new year with than Sam Stark, well, so thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Likewise, feel exactly the same way. We've known each other an awfully long time, and it's uh Fun to work with you and awesome to have you on the show here to start our 2021 season. Thank you. So I'm not doing the deep dive, you know, in, into the bio of each guest. I'm just trying to hear your story a little bit. So can you just sort of start us off and tell us tell us a little bit about Mickey? Where are you from and, and how did you get to Central Florida? Sure. So um was born in Albany, raised in Buffalo, New York. And I will say Go Go Bills. Bills. (laughs) What a year. And only in 2020 would this happen to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I grew up in Western upstate New Yorker, Sam. Um, An awesome mom and dad. My dad was in politics. He worked um, within the Democratic Party. He was deputy mayor of Buffalo at 28 years old. Wow. And my mom was a Catholic school teacher. And I have a younger brother and sister, and everything was seemed to be going really well um, until my father was 36 and he was diagnosed with cancer, and he passed at 39. Mm. And I tell that story because it sets up kind of who I am and what I do and what I believe in today. Yeah, is that he he really instilled this idea of civic engagement and community. Both my mom and dad. You know, I watched my mom and dad around town, getting involved in charitable opportunities and organizations, involved in government and community. We spent some time in Irish pubs as my dad was campaigning. (laughs) And it just showed me that we were really inextricably connected to the communities in which we live and serve. So even though dad died young, it had such a profound impact on me as as a 10-year-old in thinking about what is my my purpose and what's, what's my goal. So um, moved down to Central Florida in 2001. I was recruited to teach and work at a large university about nine miles away down uh-huh. the street. Heard of them. Um, you know, and loved, loved, loved UCF. It was an awesome place. Um, to be honest, as a New Yorker, you don't really understand the whole ecosystem of Florida. You know, for us, Florida is a place you go to vacation or you go to mm-hmm. Disney. But coming down here in 2001, it was right before September 11th, and getting to teach and, and lead a leadership program, it was really amazing. And then about four years after that, was recruited by a man named Roger Casey, who I know is a good friend of yours as well. Yep. He's now the president of McDaniel College. And he told me all about this college, about Rollins. I sat with him for an afternoon, 
and learned about what, what their desires and their interests were. And he offered me the job that night to be the director of community engagement. So that's yeah. how I came here. I mean, it's an interesting yeah. story, but a lot of, um, as you talk about connections and serendipity yeah. that brought me to this place. Was UCF your first job? UCF was my first job after graduate school. Yes, I went to Bowling Green um, for my master's and obviously worked at Bowling Green in residential life and fraternity and sorority life. Yeah. And then my first job out of of, uh, education, yeah, was UCF. So your role is assistant vice president um, of student affairs with with community engagement as as an emphasis. And um, we, we both kind of play that role together yet a little bit differently. But tell us, what like, what's the genesis of community engagement within higher education? Yeah, I think community engagement is thinking about the mutual relationship between a college and a community with the thread of thinking about how students can put what they're learning in the classroom into um, action in the community. And I think about that in terms of research, in terms of um, scholarship, and how does a university serve a community with the resources and the knowledge in which it holds? So I've been studying that, Sam, my whole career for over 20 years now. And what, is, what are those magic moments and those magic opportunities for, for universities to really serve and work within, within communities? Yeah, that's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, in essence, it is a semi-new discipline or, or you know, sort of um, a strategy within higher ed, right? Like that, yeah. that, I don't think that was there officially when I was, it was in not college. That, <laughs> I mean, let's think about that, right? When we, in the 90s. Right. Yeah, let me, can I share a little bit about Please. that? So, yeah, you know, I in the that. 90s, if we think about when we went to school, it was called the era of consumerism. So it was about students going to college um, with the goal of gaining an education to go out and get a job and, and do well financially. And I'll tell you, in about, you know, the, the, the mid-90s, we started to see a shift around consumerism to s- student learning. There was this document, kind of nerdy, but there was this document that was written by college presidents. It was called the Student Learning, learning Imperative. And what it said is that colleges have a responsibility not just to produce graduates, but to make them civically, ethically, and morally engaged in our world. Another example of this is when there were three college presidents, um, Princeton, Brown, and Georgetown, they came together. They, they created something called a compact. It became Campus Compact, which mm-hmm. I know you know you know that. That said, you know what, we're, we're not happy. We're dissatisfied with, with the way that we're producing graduates. And we really want them to be civically and ethically engaged and involved. And that's where we start. I, we say that's the genie out of the bottle moment mm-hmm. <laughs> when things started shifting and shaping, and what was happening is faculty then were getting an education, when they were students, they were getting an education on college campuses that allowed them to take their discipline and their research and ground it in community issues and opportunities. They then became the future faculty and professors who were doing that for their students. So now we're in this moment where a lot of young people go into the profession of the professoriate to make sure that they're gaining knowledge and they're educating young people in the discipline but focused on the community and thinking about how they can make a change and a difference in the world. So what's, the, what, what's your definition of the difference between community service, which was really, I think, the, ter- the terminology that, that existed for, for me and my peers and, and probably people before, uh, versus community engagement? Yeah, so engagement to me is an interplay. It's recognizing that the community is, have assets. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about our students going out or hand out, right, or, or serving others. Right. But it's recognizing that when our students are engaging the community, it's, there's a, um, res- 
It's reciprocal. Yeah. So they're learning and understanding the ways in which communities work and serve. Yeah. And that community is as much of an educator on a college campus as I am, as you are, as our faculty in teaching our students. Right. Just, you know, at least for me as a simpleton, like it's just such a deeper experience. Right. Um, and um, I think it's it's clear that it's a, an incredible value for the students and ultimately for the for the community as well. It's uh, it's just life changing, and what we see, and I'm I know you hear, especially in your role in communication, is that students say their lives have been transformed when they understand the way the world works. Yeah, and they understand their place and opportunity in the world. Well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that maybe uh, in, in a little bit. But you've you've led Rollins to win numerous awards in this field. I mean, over just a relatively short period of time. Can can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I know, I think Campus Compact might be part of it. And, and certainly as we as we just are getting through finally an election season, um, that, that's been a big area of emphasis for, for you and your department. Can you, can you just share yeah. a little bit about some of those awards and recognition that the college has received? Sure. Well, the first thing I will say, it was definitely not me leading. <laughs> it was me hiring really awesome, awesome people and working alongside amazing people who are really the ones in the work. I just get to be the person in the privileged position that gets to work alongside them and helps them kind of see the bigger the bigger picture. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the, one of the biggest ones that happened in the last 10 years was the college was recognized with the, the President's Higher Education Award, the Presidential Award from President Obama. So there was about six colleges that year that received this award. It was the highest federal recognition for community engagement and service. And Amazing. the application is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. So you really need to be able to talk about impacts, how students are engaging, how it's making a difference. You know, some of the other big ones, Sam, you know, where I'm really proud is the institution continues to be recognized for high voter participation. Yeah. So it's super cool. The way that this is done is we're in partnership with Tufts up in Boston. Boston run, Tufts runs a study where they, they compare our voter, um, the Board of Election information with the clearinghouse of all of our students, and they can see who voted. Obviously, they can't see how they voted, right. but they see who voted. And Rollins consistently in the last six years has been a top, a top voting institution. And we know with young people, that's not always the case. Sure. We're seeing it more now, but definitely not five years ago. So that's one area that, that I'm really proud about. So students aren't just simply engaging in the community, but they understand the totality of getting involved yeah. and what that means. That's fantastic. How do you, how do you address the narrative that, you know, um, the, the students are just voting a bunch, as a bunch of liberals, you know, coming from higher education and just a bunch of crazy left-wingers? you know, as, as undergraduates or as people from a, from a school like Rollins? Yeah, you know, and I, I think what's really interesting, actually, Rollins, I would say, is pretty split in terms of political ideology with our students. We have students that come from all different walks of life and all different belief systems. They may come in with one set of values and beliefs and may leave with a different set. They may come in with one set of values and beliefs and explore and leave with the same set of values mm-hmm. and beliefs. But with the one thing I think that's really awesome is we see students, I would say for the most part, being able to play in the same sandbox together. Young people are much more passionate about issues than they are about political affiliation. So some of the common things that we see with young people, no matter if they are an R or a D or an NPA, um, and the environment. Mm -hmm. So the environment seems to cut across different political identities when you're a voter under 30 years old. 
The other one are social issues. Um, that those are big for students. Students are really interested and passionate about racial justice. They're thinking about LGBTQ ideas and identities. They want fairness and justice. And you can see them sharing that same language together. But we also see students who you would consider, you know, maybe D's, passionate about um, free enterprise and mm-hmm. economics. So that's where I've been really proud of young people is yeah. I think we have something to learn from them, especially at Rollins and on college campuses. Even in your sort of short term, 20 years, I mean, that's uh, not insignificant, but has there been a change in that evolution with students? Have they, have they always sort of been that um, passionate and interested and maybe open to, um, or, or do you feel like it's um, has changed or hasn't changed? Yeah, I, your- lo- I love this question. <laughs> you know why? Because I, I think about these things all the time. Yeah. And the answer is yes. So when I started in 2001, I would say we were going through a period of time where young people, they loved adults. <laughs> it wasn't like that with you and I, right? Like when in the 90s, I mean, I loved my mom and I think my mom's listening. I think awesome. your parents might be listening too. I have no too. doubt. Yes. Hi, everybody. We love you. <laughs> See, we loved our parents in the 90s. Yes. Um, but not everyone did. I don't think the relationship between elders and parents and young people is as pervasive and as it is today. There wasn't, you know, we, I called my mom on Sundays. I would call her collect. She wouldn't accept the call and <laughs> she called me back. Right. Now there is just a constant connection between parents and kids. So in, in the early 2000s, that, this was just the beginning of that. Social media was starting. Kids were starting to have cell phones. They grew up with parents as their best friends. And so we were in a really great honeymoon period of time, to be honest, on college campuses who represent adults like, you know, you and I, where the students were just really happy and joyful. The shift I've definitely seen in the last couple years is students are starting to look at adults, especially in positions of power, a little bit differently. I think they've been let down. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, especially by the issues and the challenges um, that they're that they're, they're we're seeing in government, and they're starting to question leaders. They're starting to question ideas and and how and and now with COVID, well, if we think about young people, a lot of their good old days um, were were erased. Yep. You know, for you and I, it's another year. But if you miss prom or if you miss yeah. homecoming or graduation, these are things you just can't replicate. Right. And so what we've seen definitely in the last year is a little bit of curiosity and a switch to holding people like you and I much more accountable and a lot more activism and students getting involved and saying, hey, you know what? People aren't always speaking to the needs of us and we want to shift that and change that. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, um, it's it's good to know that there's that evolution and and my hope, um, you know, just as a citizen and as a parent myself, like that it continues to evolve because it's not totally working uh, in, in, in the greater, you know, um, community and, and country. And then there has to be sort of a better way to do it because it's right. just too divisive right now. Right. And so hopefully this generation will be the one that starts now and, and continues to, to, to evolve and, and change. So um, fascinating. Um, what are some of the other specific stories related to community engagement, you know, that, that you've seen? Um, you know, what impact does, does community engagement at Rollins really have in the Central Florida community? It's an awesome question. I think one of the areas where I've seen um, significant impact is the work of the college with Orange County Public Schools mm, and the Pathways Program. 
So the college about two years ago started um, a strategic relationship, as you know, with Orange County Public Schools and thinking about a pipeline for paras. So these are um, um, adults that work within the classroom that may be aides or working in other um, staffing opportunities, but they haven't necessarily had a, received a bachelor's degree yet, so they can't be a teacher. And the college worked with Bar, um, Barbara Jenkins and OCPS to ask them, what, what, it, what, what is your dream? Like, what is your top strategic dream and need in thinking about the pipeline at OCPS? And they said, we'd love a way to educate our parents, especially in mm-hmm. Title I schools. So that was an area that I think has been made a tremendous impact. We're in the third cohort of that group. And those, there are, um, I don't know the exact number, but there's quite a number of paras that are taking classes in education with our education faculty. They're receiving a scholarship, a book scholarship. It's in, and it's, it's a partnership with OCPS. So it's funded through OCPS and, and Rollins as well. But they'll be able to go and get a college education and then be able to teach in the classroom. And many of them are working within the communities in which they live. So that is such an incredible impact and a win. And what I love about Rollins is I believe that's how we engage in partnership. It's not saying this is what we want to do. And we see that with, a lot, I think, a lot of large universities. This, this is what we want to do. And this is how we want to engage in the community. But we, we ask the questions how could a place like Rollins, a small liberal arts college, elevate your mission and elevate your work? And when we ask the questions that way, we often are able to truly meet the, the needs of our community. Yeah, that's real. That, that's super impactful. Briefly, just share with, with us a couple of the people that report to you and, and sort of their titles and their roles, because I think that helps people better understand or understand on a deeper level. Um, sort of the, the, the micro functions of community engagement, obviously Meredith and Bailey and you know, a couple others sort of specifically in that community engagement. What, what, who are they? What's their titles? And, and what do they do specifically? Sure. Well, I'm going to start with a different one because he's sitting in the studio <laughs> yes, with sir. us, Greg Golden. Here, here. Rollins graduate. And you might say, why would Greg Golden, who is the director of student media, be in the community bubble? But as we know, you know, Greg and his role, he's a conduit for community. And if we think about radio, we think about our student newspaper, which is the Sandsburg. These are conduits for free speech. They're conduits for student voice and getting ideas into the world and and the free world. So Greg is one of those... um, Greg Golden, a golden opportunity, a golden person. <laughs> and he really gets and he really understands how radio and media is a conduit for community. And I'll tell you right now, there's been no better moment than right now to be teaching young people about the ethics of media. Yeah. Because all around them, they're seeing something very, they're questioning and wondering. Um, and, and they're seeing ideas expressed and you know, um, this whole idea of information fluency is critical. Yep. So going back to the community engagement staff, so Meredith and Bailey. So Meredith is our director of community engagement. And her specialty is thinking about how to pair faculty with nonprofits in Central Florida and helping make matches and how faculty and students can do good, good things in our world. That's called service learning. So it's thinking about how you engage in service but where's the reciprocity and what, how students are learning and how nonprofits are thriving because of that relationship? Um, Bailey, I call Bailey our chief voting officer, our CVO. Yeah. Her goal is to really get students engaged in the, the 
the democratic political process, thinking about democracy, thinking about their role and responsibility in the world. She also oversees our Bonner Leaders Program. So Sam, as you know, we, we have um, 50 students on campus who for four years will be placed with a nonprofit organization and do 300 hours of service every year with that nonprofit. So imagine what those students can do and what they understand by the time they graduate. Fascinating. And then we've got other staff, Sophia um, Macias. She oversees a group that you'll like this. She oversees a group called the Student Support Foundation, SSF. It's a group of students who um, they do impact investing and impact um, giving. Where st- uh, if there's other students on campus that have emergency needs, they can apply. It's name blind, so they don't know who needs what. And they, they kind of um, manage a set of funds that are given to the college to help students. Because what we've seen with the research is many times students will drop out of school because there's like a $200 gap of right. excellence that they can't, they can't meet. So we have an AmeriCorps VISTA that works in that office. Um, or, I'm sorry, a public ally that works in that office, a bunch of graduate students. And their whole goal is helping connect um, students' passions with the world's greatest needs. Yeah. Fat, that's a it's a great team, and um, they, you know, their work is so impactful, and it's it is so different than than what you know my experience was in college, and there's no doubt that the learning experience number one is far more valuable, but number two it helps post college. I mean, and that's ultimately such a big part of our value proposition to help connect and and prepare for uh, community life, and so uh, it's amazing work, and they have an awesome team. You, too, personally are active in the community. Tell, tell us a little bit about what, what, what have you done and what are you doing in community, you know, obviously always with your Rollins hat on, but sort of on your own time. Right. Well, one way I'm really involved right now is my son is in public school. He's mm-hmm. in a school that's in Audubon Park, which for those listeners who are out of town, it's a, it's a K-8 school, public school within um, Orange County in the city of Orlando. And it's a fairly new school. It's only been open for the last three years. And I'm not just involved because my son goes there, but the school is about three miles from the college. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of Rollins graduates that are teachers at this school. And the school is very, very open to strategic partnerships with with Rollins. So um, they're very interested in thinking about change making and social innovation and entrepreneurship. So we've got students who intern there um, that I've helped kind of broker these opportunities where they're helping the students, these K-8 students, with pitch competitions and thinking about business ideas. I personally sit on their foundation board at Audubon. I'm also helping them build a social impact lab at the school. And I've been involved with one of our faculty members around racial justice um, conversations with their teachers. So that's where I'm spending a lot of time yeah, right, right now. But as you said, I always everything I do is with a Rollins hat but also as a community member hat and in this situation as a mom hat, which has been really cool, kind yeah. of cool. Talk a little bit about social entrepreneurship. You know, that, that too is such an emerg- emerging thing and in industry and philosophy. Again, didn't exist to, to the degree it does today, 10, 20, 50 years ago. Talk about it and, and what, what we're doing here at Rollins. So when I start, when I think about social entrepreneurship, there's, um, you've heard of the three P's or the four P's that come to mind, planet, purpose, passion, and of course, I'm going to forget the last P. Once I said it, I'm like, oh, I don't forget (laughs) it. Planet, purpose, passion, and I'll think of the other one. But what it is, is it's- Profit? Profit. Okay, good. (laughs) 
Yes, profit, of course. Part of the entrepreneurship. Notice the non-entrepreneur on the line here. Um, It's really thinking about how we can create market-based solutions to some of the world's greatest challenges and opportunities, but using a social lens to do so. And in fact, the impact sector is the largest growing sector of business right now. And a lot of that's being driven by our young people who want to engage in business and they want to engage in enterprise, but they want to do it because they're passionate about a specific issue. So the the institution has a major, an undergraduate major in social entrepreneurship. They have an undergraduate major in social innovation as well. So entrepreneurship, think in terms more of market-based solution. Innovation is more a mindset-based. And um, we've got a lot of classes in our Karma Graduate School of Business that focus on social entrepreneurship. One of the things I'm most proud of is the relationship between the college and Rally, which is the um, social enterprise accelerator that takes cohorts of professionals that are past the incubation stage. So they've got an idea to bring to market or they want to bring it to scale and help them um, really mentor and help them become even better um, social entrepreneurs and professionals. I love that. So yeah. Ben Hoyer and Kyle Steele run that program, um, the Kramer Graduate School of Business, and our students are, are involved as well. And it's it's an, another example of community engagement. Yeah, for sure. Thinking about the university and our community. I love that. That's so great. So we'll, we'll pull up a little bit more to a 40,000-foot level and, and sort of answer the question, you know, from, in, from your perspective, why is Rollins so important within the Central Florida region and community? Oh, boy. <laughs> I think there's 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 so many there's so many reasons and so many things. I think first of all, where it's it's our moral ethic, our, our ethical and moral obligation to graduate young people who are ready to be community members and recognize their role and place in the world. And as you know, Sam, we do that with great intention. We're not a factory that just graduates students, but we really get them to think and to act and to imagine how they can become thriving, active leaders. I think there's a great place for a great liberal arts college within a metropolitan universe, a metropolitan area mm-hmm. because of the type of talent we attract here. So we bring in scholars who are dedicated to teaching from all around the world, and they become residents in Winter Park and in Orlando, and they do good things at the college, but they're also doing good and great things in the community as well. I think we have an amazing president, as you know, and you get to work with Grant Cornwell all the time, and he has huge ambitions and passions in thinking about how Rollins can really play a role, um, I think, especially in terms of social enterprise and social innovation and social entrepreneurship, and we see Rollins being a leader in our in our metro community and in the Central Florida region around yep. that. Love it. it w- w- from your perspective, what, what are some of the strongest headwinds, you know, that Rollins is facing just as an institution of higher education uh, within the region? What, 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 what yeah. do you foresee as a You struggle? know, I think that what we are going to be facing um, will not, it's not going to be um, uncommon to, to schools like us, small liberal or private institutions when we think about access and the cost of education. And that really is important for people like you and I to think about how do we make Rollins accessible um, to all students? How do we raise the necessary resources and funds so that students, no matter where they come from, they can come to our college? 
And we know that there's a bigger and bigger divide economically um, in families and communities that can make a place like Rollins out of reach. And that does concern me. I mean, it concerns me um, in a couple ways. We know that Texas, California, Florida, students, that's the highest rate, a growing rate of students that are going to colleges and universities right now. We also know economically there's challenges mm-hmm. in all three of those states. So anybody, any um, analysis, <laughs> you can run any analysis and, and kind of see what, what are going to be some of the challenges. Um, that would be that would be the biggest one. And um, it's this thing I know that keeps many of us up every night and thinking about access to education. But I think Rollins has done an amazing, amazing job and making sure we're raising the resources and the funds to yeah. provide access. No question about that. So I love asking this question to, to people affiliated with Rollins. Um, if you were president of Rollins for a day, what would you do? What would you do? Is there anything differently you would do or any changes you would make to, to make our institution even greater? Oh, my gosh. Sam. <laughs> Put you All on the right. spot. I don't think Grant uh, listens. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. We'll have to check on that. Uh, I'd make another Fox day. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, for me, the greatest learning happens when we're in community and we're breaking bread together and we're hanging out. Now, obviously, that's a complicated subject in the middle of a global pandemic, but I would definitely, I think I would, I would make another Fox day. Okay. I, you know, it's interesting. I I, I think our, I would do everything Grant is doing (laughs) and maybe because we are aligned philosophically. Right. I think he, I think we, we're just so aligned philosophically in what we see the role and responsibility of higher education in, in helping students become active citizens that I don't know if I do anything yeah. different. Is he the third president you've worked for? He is, yes. He is the third. If we, I'm Craig third McAllister yeah. <laughs> was the half. <laughs> But, you know, funny story, when I came to Rollins, I knew I picked the right place because um, my first day on campus, I was walking um, by the Hall of Fame, and I see this man walking toward Mm. me. This is 2005. But he he had jeans and tennis shoes, but I'm thinking, that looks like the president, Lewis Duncan. Why Why would the president be wearing tennis shoes and jeans? And he starts coming closer, and I start to stiffen up, and I'm saying, oh, oh, hey, um, about... Um, President Duncan, hi, Mike. He goes, hello, I know you. You're Mickey Meyer. You're our new director of community engagement, and please call me Lewis. <laughs> but it just shows when I think about Thad and Rita and, you know, Lewis and, like, the, the people who have made an impact on this college, that's what makes this place so special Yeah, is that leaders, and especially Grant, they're in the trenches with the people. Yeah. Grant, is it, you know, this building we're sitting in right now was one of the big projects I got to work on um, in the last two years. And he was as passionate and interested in the paint on the wall (laughs) and the material on the throw pillows than he was on the vision and the process and the way the building was constructed. Yeah. And that's leadership. You know, that that's somebody who deeply cares. So you, you were asked to lead a massive and major project over the last two years, maybe two plus years, and, and it is this building we're sitting in, Kathleen W. Rollins Hall. Tell us a, a bit about this building and why it, it has emerged to be, you know, the sort of the hub and, and such a focal point on campus for Rollins. Sure. So Kathleen W. Rollins Hall is, is truly in the center of campus. So if you, if you know Rollins, you know we've got Mills Lawn and 
the building we're sitting in was formerly the Mills Memorial Building. It was the library built in 1954, which obviously then became the Olin Library, moved right over, um, right across the sidewalk in the the 80s. But to know your center build, if you think and study environmental theory, you, you understand that buildings, placement of buildings is critical in understanding your vision and your values and what's most important. But on our campus, the central building was a collection of offices and unusable space. So the way that the building was built for a library, the back whole back half were stacks, seven foot ceilings. So imagine somebody like my husband, who's six <laughs> foot four, or Grant, trying to navigate the back, or Greg, trying to navigate the, the back half of the building. It became really interesting. And, you know, I think what's so been so neat is thinking about how do we repurpose and position this building? How do we reimagine it? How do we tear down? How do we remodel the front and tear down the back? And we bring in programs that touch students' lives that we believe are important in the 21st century in building an education. So social entrepreneurship, international programs, international student scholar services, community engagement, career and life planning, which is the anchor and the centerpiece of the entire building, um, so that it's unavoidable. So our mission becomes unavoidable. So when students walk across our campus, it's it's like they collide. It's like um, you know intentional engineering, <laughs> where right. they see it in action every single day, as opposed to spread out all over campus. Yeah. So that's been, I mean, to, you know, as an educator to, to engineer something like that and think about things like this and bring people together, it's not easy. But it's really a dream when you can kind of see the opportunities to engage students in a really thoughtful and purposeful way. It was a massive undertaking and probably specifically was not in your job description, but you uh, you took it on and led the college-wide effort, and it's a, it's amazing. So um, hearty kudos uh, thanks. and thanks to, to you for that. Is there anything I didn't ask you, anything you know that you want to share about your role here, about your time here, just about anything else, Rollins and Central Florida community, that, uh, that you want to share? So, um, you know, I've been here for 16 years, and so sometimes people say, oh, my gosh, you've been <laughs> – in different roles, but, but but at the institution for 16 years, and people say, like, how and why? And I, maybe I can share a little bit about that. Please. So I'm not one to stick around in things for long periods of time. Like, I, um, I get excited about ideas. I get bored with monotony. Um, but what has kept me here, at least... Hopefully they'll keep me here, Sam. Um, for the last 16 years was every year there's been something, a new opportunity and a challenge and a new problem to solve and a new experience. Mm-hmm. And working in a place that allows your strengths and your values to come out every day in a job, that's a, that's a dream. Yeah. And so as you said, it was, you know, Rollins Hall, it's not in your job description. And I'm downplaying you know, it, it wasn't easy. It was not easy. <laughs> no <doubt. laughs> My gosh. <laughs> but what an opportunity. Yeah. You know, sitting in a role, like I think about my day, people often ask, what, what do you do every day? It's like, well, in the morning, I might be figuring out a maintenance issue. There's a toilet overflowing. <laughs> and the next hour, I'm working with advancement on raising millions of dollars. And then the next hour, there's a student in crisis. And the next hour, there's a community event. What a cool job. No doubt. Where you get to... Th- Again, talk about connecting the dots. You get to think about how you can add value and create purpose 
every hour of your day. And what I love, I love working with young people. I, I have fallen more in love with 18 to 22-year-olds every year I'm in this job. Where I think a lot of people sometimes burn out or they get frustrated. I think it's more interesting and complex, and I come to appreciate and care and love them even more. And in and, and, and young staff, staff under 30, and thinking about how I can be a, a good role model and a mentor for them is they engage in their career and they go on to continue to do great, great yeah. things. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I think, you know, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but your, your official title is the Lord Family Assistant Vice President of Student Affairs. And, and David Lord is a, an alum of the college and a former staff member of the college and a current trustee and one of the, you know, most significant benefactors and uh, contributors we have to the college. Talk just briefly about why that is in your title um, and the impact David Lord has on you know, you and your role. Sure. Well, first, it's it's such an honor. Um, you know, on college campuses, when philanthropists and donors name chair positions, and so it's an endowed chair, when yep. they name a chair position, basically what they're saying is, we believe in the work of this discipline or this program. And it's it's rare on college campuses for administrators or staff to serve in endowed chair positions. Rollins, there's three endowed chair positions for staff. Enna, um, who is at the Cornell Fine Arts Museum, yep. uh, our um, crew coach, yep. Coach um, Coach Sean, yep. and well, actually, no, there's four. Our baseball coach, mm. Coach Shogren, is the Boyd Coffee Chair, mm. which was funded by David Lord as well, and um, and my position, the Lord Family Chair. So about eight years ago, David Lord, um, who runs the DHL Foundation and his family, which is the R&R Foundation, R&R Rhoda Newberry-Reed, named after his mother, they decided this is where they wanted to give. So they gave a million dollars to the institution for a named endowed chair. And it was the chair, it was um, the, the, the Lord Family Director of Community Engagement, but as I moved um, into the assistant vice presidency, their family had asked for the chair to move with me, which again is another incredible, amazing honor. And yeah. it, it ups the ante for me, Sam. Mm, like right. I can't just slack in my job. <laughs> if I'm doing this work under the name of a family and people who care deeply about the institution, it holds me accountable to be doing it the best way possible yeah. every single day. Well, Mickey Meyer, you are a gift to Rollins, and um, I can't imagine Rollins without you. We, we've had the pleasure and opportunity to work together for since you've been here in, in different yeah. roles, and me as an alum and, uh, on and committees. as the chamber president. Yeah, and remember the whole document we got to write on fraternity and That's sorority right. life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And the alumni council. I mean, it's been really neat. So it now has to get been. To work well, with you. very few people are able to navigate the college and get stuff done as effectively and as efficiently as you. And I've seen that now in my you know, almost four years here. So uh, you have an amazing skill and amazing talent and, uh, and leadership and you have a great team and uh, even better, you have a bigger heart. So oh, thanks, thanks for all you do. And thank you for being with us here this morning on Rollins Around Town. Special thanks to Greg Golden for uh, operating the, uh, the board for us and getting us on air. And uh, we'll see you next week. If you want to keep uh, in touch with us, check us out on Facebook at Rollins Around Town. So with that, we wish you a great day in Winter Park or wherever you might be. Thanks.